on the move. Little dance step was good. Couple of bounces. Can take it himself. And launch long. Inspirational. Time ticking away. Stop it. Silvani! What about that? Mackay, Mackay! Two in a minute. And they are dancing now, the Blues. Almost Mackay. Walsh, here he is. Straightens up and has delivered. Is there nothing this young man can't do? Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian, joined as always by my good mate, Lockie, and the trade period for 2022 is done and dusted. We are here to recap what happened and discuss where that leaves us as we head into the draft. Lockie, Mm -hmm. how are you going and how did you find the trade period as a whole? Going very well, thank you, mate. It's good to be back here again. Not as exciting as Mm. previous years. I think that's fair to say. And kind of before the period, we said... Maybe it's a good thing that it's going to be a bit quieter. So, you know, I'm a bit on the fence about it, but um, overall a good trade period, I think. How are you feeling yeah. about things? Very good. It uh, it was an interesting one. I feel like the last few years, things have kind of gone to the end, like right down to the wire. And you've been watching that live stream being like, are we getting into the door? What's happening? I, I think mm. of that the time with Sauce a couple of years ago with the Jack Martin and the Tom Papley deal where you just... So much stress going into this last bit where, well, we got our stuff done in like the second day and then that was really it. We only had one player out going. Uh, we'll obviously get in and talk about that, but it wasn't a heartbreaker of losing, you know, a Patrick Cripps or one of our top line players. We sort of kept everyone we wanted, got a player in the door nice and early. It was nice to just sit back and watch all these other teams scramble to get stuff across the line for once. I know. You're very right. We obviously got our one deal done quite early, which was good to have that out of the way. And then there was little whispers that maybe there could be something else cooking. But Nick, our man Nick, was pretty quick to shut those things down. Um, It looked like it all went to plan. It does. So let's get straight into it. Let's talk about the Carlton business, what Nick Austin got up to. Uh, We brought in Blake Akers for a future third-round pick. Lockie, let's break down this Mm. deal what did you make of this one? I mean, I think the odds of that future third round pick being someone that slots straight into our best 22 is worth the trade is the yes. way that I kind of look at these things. We thought, you know, I think that Acres is going to be starting in round one in that wing spot. And mm. so I think that's great business to be, to be trading away a, a third rounder for that. I, I couldn't believe it when the the third rounder was brought into the discussions in the media and then no one was mm. saying, oh, it should be a second, should be whatever. It was almost unanimous. Even Freo supporters saying, yeah, future third sounds about right, which normally doesn't. It's not the case with us for whatever reason. I feel like sometimes we're always overpaying. So it was nice to yeah. to give out a pick that we don't really care about. And as you say, like I think that we we always have this discussion, but... Everyone kind of overrates picks quite often. You're like, oh, well, third yeah. round and fourth round. How often the, do these picks end up turning into superstar plays? It, the hit rate, I'd love to go through and find out the percentage of these players really yeah. past, past the second round. Good luck getting anyone that's going to be a 100-plus gamer that's going to do a lot for your club. And and even in this case of a Blake Akers, I think no one's really expecting him to be one of the best players. If we end up 
you know, going past him in a couple of years. It's not a bad bit of business because you haven't given up anything big for him. Salary cap, you're not mm-hmm. giving a lot away. He's better than what we have now. An upgrade on, say, a Jack Nunes that was already occupying that role. If he plays well, beautiful. If he doesn't, it's not a risk. But I think he, like you said, he's going to slot into our best 22, be that winger that we kind of crave at the moment. And you just can't say no to that deal. Yeah, 100%. I think it's funny seeing how some people will seem to believe that a trade is only good if it's someone who's going to be a top five player in your team. And it's like mm. a big deal, that kind of thing. But if we're able to upgrade in areas of the field where we can for good value, then that's a big mm. win. Specifically, like where we're at with our list at the moment or where we believe we're at. Six or seven years ago, it was like just bring in as many picks as we can and mm. you know we'll, we'll we'll see who works out but now that we're a lot more seasoned um mm. we just don't need to be bringing in players as many players like that yeah exactly we, we went after a need we brought in probably one of the best available you'd probably say carl amon was the top but for what you're yep. having to pay for his salary and everything it's probably not going to be worth it we probably don't have the cap to to give to him especially when we're re-signing players like Harry on big money deals for a long time. Blake Haggis yeah. makes sense. And then really the only other deal that we had so far anyway, there's some rumors of some you know, picks getting traded away, but mm-hmm. it was Will Setterfield made his way to Essendon along with pick 68 in this year's draft. And we got back a future fourth rounder. Lockie, what did you make of this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, a minor shock, I suppose, when saw that it went down. I think on the last episode, you and I kind of spoke and we were like, Dow or Setterfield, if, if, if you had to keep one, which would we prefer? Yeah. And, it, and it did feel like Setterfield. And uh, then again, it, it's one of those things that when it happens, I, I say to myself, oh, we are. I wanted to keep Dow anyway. <laughs> yeah, Dow's going to be one of the greatest players you've ever seen, I think, is, is what every Cullen supporter was thinking after this. It's Dow season, of course. <laughs> yeah, I I thought weirdly that we would get a little bit more for him, but hmm. I do understand he's out of contract and it almost seemed as if Nick Austin was trying to do a bit right by the player. We maybe saw that a bit with the Liam Stocker deal where his best chance of getting onto another list, he's probably not a required player. Liam hmm. Stocker was to delist him. No one really wanted to trade for him. And you know that he would have had discussions to see if we could get something for Stocker. And I think yeah. in this instance... We weren't going to get a lot for him. If, if really, it's if you, if this fourth round pick was in this year's draft, it's like a bit of an upgrade. So it's yeah. much of much of a muchness, really. It's almost a delisting. The question was always Dow or Setterfield. It's hard when Dow's contracted. Probably why he didn't get as much interest because again, if if it's Dow on the trade table, is someone's willing to actually have to pay for him. Whereas with Essendon, it really was just a swap of fourth rounders. Mm, yeah, for sure. And at this stage, with, with Setterfield not being uh, a walk-up best 22 guy, um, yeah, I don't think we could have really expected that much more, especially seeing the market value of Acres and other players dealt mm. uh, in the period. It just seems like, yeah, the, the, pit, the pick versus player value... I don't yeah. feel is quite right, but I guess that if that's what the market demands, then then that's the way it is. Yeah, and Setterfield's such an interesting player. We always thought we were, we were close to unlocking him at times. I feel mm-hmm. he was weirdly that guy that 
he'd spend his couple of weeks in the twos, he'd come back into the ones, whether it was wing or, or late in the season, it was on ball. And I feel like his first game back was so always so good. And you start to get excited thinking, oh my God, we've done it. We've, fu- we've found out set of field. He's going to be a, a gun for us. He's going to be a bit of a role player. And then by about two, three weeks later, it's, can we just get him back to the twos? He's just not right. And then he comes back into the team later in the season mm. and you start to get excited again and think this is his role. It's never sort of happened for him. And in the end, I think that's that's just what Setterfield will be. And, and maybe I'll be wrong and he'll be a gun player, but looking for him getting to our midfield, there's far too many players ahead of him. Even maybe a Doherty has taken over his mm-hmm. spot a little bit I'd prefer his versatility slightly over Dow. Much of a muchness. It, it's not a big difference between the two. It's going to be interesting to see how the midfield, I guess, plays out as we head into next season. Yeah. And I think we will be a little bit bitter if he does take that next step at another club. But I guess yeah. the precedent is there right now with like SPS. And we had these mm. feelings. And we're like, oh, no, he's going he's gonna to blossom at another club now. And that hasn't transpired. So... We'll see if it's the, the same for Big Will. 100%. So we did this a couple of weeks ago, but let's grade for our season, but let's grade the trade period because we know the report card style is what the media love to do. So why not do it here at the Navy Blue Corner? What would you grade <laughs> our trade period, Lockie? Because in years past when we've brought big stars in, you've tried to be like, oh, we've brought in, you know, yeah, yeah Adam Sarge, Zach Williams, it's an A+. We haven't done a lot here, so I, I'm very interested to see where you've gone. Well, I'm I'm equally interested to hear yours. I like when we have <laughs> parts of the show <laughs> where we don't know what each other are going to say. I've landed on B plus. Oh, I think no, don't tell me. I've I've also gone B plus, mate. Uh, you... Of course, we're in sync. Of course, we're in sync. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that it went to plan, or even. Potentially yes. better than plan uh, with what we had to give up to get mm. Acres and Setterfield potentially being delisted if he didn't get the deal yeah. done anyway. It just would have been nice to have a little bit more excitement. So that's the only reason why I can't give it up to an A. No, I think you've nailed the explanation. Like my note I had was like, we got the need. We got who we wanted in. We didn't lose anyone, which it's another season. And I don't want to jinx this. So I'm touching all the wood I can in this room. Mm, me too. We've Fair never... Me. Talking about all of the trade periods, that's every, every season, there's always a big player that, that's on the move. And for this whole time, really, since the rebuild, we've been that club that, oh, we're looking to try and get one of these players in, whether it's your, yep. your Cornelios, Dylan Shields, whoever it is. We haven't been on the other end where we've had a player leave. And I was trying to think about that with, say, Dunkley, where oh, mm-hmm. Brisbane are excited to get him, but... Doggers is sad to lose him, and we've just never really felt that so far. So hopefully we'd never do. And with that, it's it's hard to grade this as anything negative. But I agree with you, not getting anything amazing, it's it's hard to really say it's an A. So I've just gone close mm. enough. We'll give it a B plus. Totally. And maybe this is a bit of a segue, but you've just kind of triggered me with with what you said there. Highly recommend everyone listen to Harry on Dylan mm. Friends. Have you listened yes. to that one? Yeah, definitely have. It's so great to hear him talk about how much the culture has shifted mm. since he started to where it is now. And I think that I think that says a lot about why the, our best players aren't being linked in in trades because it really does seem like 
these players love their home at Carlton, where mm. it doesn't seem like many would have said that seven or eight years ago. Yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts on, um, we'll just digress real quickly on that mm. chat. What did you make of some of the comments hearing about the, I guess, the, the culture in Ugh. saying that he was maybe wanting to do some extra training and, and try to improve himself and hearing that the senior players at that stage were kind of almost making fun of him for wanting to do those things. And that's being like an uncool thing to want to try. I guess, what was your, what was your take when you heard those little things? It was genuinely hard to listen to um, because, and, and it makes sense, I guess. And I was thinking yeah. about like, who, like, who are these, who are these people that are like, that were these bad influences at the time? Um, but I guess it checks out from the, I guess the, the public perception of, of what was going on. So it, it kind of aligns in that way. And it mm. makes sense, I guess, why potentially development was yeah. stunted mm. by a few and maybe we're a few years behind schedule where we thought. I think it, yeah, it, it was not something I necessarily expected, even though maybe we should because of where we've been. But, but hearing those things, it's never good. It's, I suppose it's good in a way now knowing that it's changed and shifted so much and that it's going to be such a positive thing to hear that this is what all the players, 90% of the list are now doing. So when you are a young kid, like you said, and you're coming into this environment, you're going to be trying to do everything you can to better yourself because that's what everyone wants to do. And it isn't just a selfish thing. It seems like the group really want to get the best out of each other as well, which is really nice to hear. But it makes sense, I guess, of why we were so bad for such a long period and why we haven't had this success. We haven't been able to breed winners. There's talks about culture not being good and you nailed it with development. Did this hurt players like a like a Paddy Dow and, and a Lockie O'Brien at that stage? And you can name mm-hmm. a bunch of other draft picks that oh, yeah. maybe never kicked on because and I'm not going to name names because I honestly could not tell you who those senior leaders were. And I, there's no yeah. point speculating. But when you have guys that are making like you want to, like Harry said, you want to kind of fit in at the football club. And the, the last thing you're going to do when you step in as a fresh 18 year old is go against the norm. So it's, it's no yeah. wonder we struggled, but it's probably a positive to hear just how good things were. And, and probably the other talking point I had off the interview was just mm. him worrying maybe slightly before he re-signed his contract when we got Voss and those in, him thinking, yeah. well, what's it going to be like? Because I've had coaches before, I've had CEOs, there's been so much disruption. And what did you make mm-hmm. of those comments? And I guess the it's something I probably haven't thought about thinking how it would feel to be a player with so much constant change when you maybe don't have that affinity like we do as fans. What did, what did you make of those comments? Yeah, I, I, I found those comments really insightful as well because looking now at, I guess, the decisions that we made with with Vossi, CEO, Prez and everything a year ago, like it all seems like no-brainers now and it's all sunshine and rainbows and all that and it's great. But what a what a risky time that truly was. Yeah. Because maybe that was like the last straw for some mm. for some guys. Who knows? All of the disruption and stuff that had happened in these guys' careers. And if the culture, you know, didn't improve and say that this season was a complete mm. failure, yeah. like maybe we would be in a completely different position now. That does not seem unreasonable mm. to suggest. 
Yeah, and, and you put yourself into his shoes, take your bias away, goes to a football club that hasn't had success since the mid, maybe late 90s, has played finals a little bit in the 2010s, but been a bit of a rabble for most of the time. You come to it with no, you're not a Carlton supporter, you don't have that thing, you're just trying to play footy. It's like your third coach, God knows how many CEOs, God knows how many backroom staff you've gone through, assistant coaches, guys you've been close to that you did like that have maybe gone, guys you didn't like mm-hmm. that have gone as well. Like, what do you do? Do you sit there and think, oh, we'll just hope the next one's good? Yeah, of course you're going to have those thoughts of, <laughs> well, why should I stay here if there's no guarantee that this is going to be better? And mm-hmm. maybe I've had enough of trying and I'm doing everything I can, but if this whole organization's no good and we constantly keep recycling every two or three years, that's not going to do me any good. The stress on the players every time there's a, the, the coach is under pressure as well. You often hear about that. And that's why it seems whenever someone gets sacked, there's that release and they go on and win the next week. Yeah. I can't imagine how that'd be when you keep losing those coaches. So it was so lovely to hear that obviously that that discussion was going to happen. And maybe that always makes you take a step back because you don't expect it. But then the turnaround of, well, it didn't take long for me to realize this is the place we're on the right track. Voss is yeah. amazing. We've sort of sorted it and he's happy enough to commit what till 2020, 30 or whatever it is, something ridiculous. Obviously, we're paying in money, but it's a long period of time. There's definitely some good positives that I hope will come out of all of this now. Yeah, yeah. And it makes me grateful because you look at the landscape and there's a few clubs that are going through significant change that are in similar positions to where we were a mm. year ago. Um, and it won't necessarily work out the way that it has for us. So it's a good time to be grateful for the position we're in. 100%. It's nice to have an off-season where we're talking about positivity, more from what we saw rather than just hope. And I guess with that, exactly. we talked about it a little bit in the Will Setterfield trade, but it's probably been the thing that he's spoken about the most because we've now lost him, and that is midfield depth. There was the, the Paddy Dow debate. Who do we want to see leave? Now, let's talk about yeah. this depth. Let's go through it. I know we spoke about a depth chart in our list analysis, but we tried to keep it to one position only. I want to go quite deep with this because in a real life scenario, if there's injuries, who's stepping up next? And I, I want to get your thoughts on this and see if we're if you think that this is strong enough. So let's talk about the midfield that started at, at our best, and that is Cripps, Walsh, Hewitt, Kennedy, Chera. Ideally, all of those are in the team. Agreed. That is a given. So if there's an injury... You'd probably say the next in there's I've kind of ranked three guys in this category that I think at the moment are your next in. And that is either Paddy Dow, it's either Ed Kerno, if fit. We might maybe mm-hmm. a little bit forgotten about, but he's still there. And then because of the end of season, you've got a Sam Doherty that you can throw in, knowing that we've got a fair chunk of guys that can play down back. Yeah. On the back of that, do you think that that at your best, uh, I guess, more defined midfielders, is that enough depth for you right there? Are you happy enough? <sighs> Am I happy enough? I'm, I'm struggling to put Doc in, in there because it feels like such a Band-Aid solution because of the, the situation yeah. that we put ourselves in in round 23. But I, I, I understand why you put him there. I don't, I don't think so. I think... I'm I'm really not sure what we're going to get from Ed next season. Yes, I, and I, I I think 
I am happy with with Dow though being the sixth mm. because I think yes. from what we have seen, like he he does contribute when he comes in. No, it's not. He he just hasn't had that. Yeah, exactly. That we hope for. But uh, there's no doubt there that I think we at least need one more player who is a proper midfielder to be yes um, on the list. That's I think where I see it as well because uh, on the back of that. We've lost one. We maybe haven't replaced one yet. Obviously, we, we'll get to the draft in other episodes and potentially yeah. that's where the difference is, but we're still going to be bringing in, hypothetically, an 18-year-old, 19-year-old that has not played any AFL games. So how much can you truly expect their output to be compared to a Will Setterfield? There's a chance it's higher straight away. There's a chance that they're going to need a little time to develop. I think we maybe still need one body, but it, it, maybe it's been weird that even though we've had an injury at times, we haven't even brought in a Dow. We've just changed the rotation up slightly and given other guys in the team more time. But I agree with you. I think there's maybe one spot short. But I'll go down to this next group of players. And a, a lot of this is incredibly breaking case of emergency or it's guys maybe pinch hitting or potential. And I want to get your thoughts on on these this crop of players I don't know some of them maybe are a little bit far-fetched, but firstly, I'll go Zach Fisher because he's someone that we have seen him spend some time in the midfield that could get called upon there. We've also got a, a David Cunningham that his best games for us has been through that midfield. We don't know what player yeah. we're getting back. There's an opportunity for him to break in if there's an injury. Then past that, a Jack Carroll that is that little bit younger. Who knows if he can blossom and, and take that step forward this year. And then past that, it's then, you know, your Lockie Fogarty that has done it a bit at VFL level. Mm. Jack Martin, who's pinched hit. We've spoken about Zach Williams at times, but never really seen it. And then really, if ever, the whole list is injured, then you can maybe say a Jack Silvani because he's played rucking a bit around the ball. We talk about that Nat Five taggy game that he, he will always mention when we're talking about Jack Silvani. <laughs> and then even the uh, Blake Akers, I know some have mentioned that he could play on ball if you need him. When you extend that depth down and talk about maybe opportunity and at what cost have you left, have you taken Setterfield out of that to give maybe some of this group opportunity? What would you say, I I, I guess, about relieving his duties out of that to see if these guys can have a crack? Well, I think when you list the names like that, at least the first half, it Mm. does give you a bit of hope. And whenever you think of those players in a positive light, it's like, oh, yeah, they have the attributes that maybe could do it. But I think the one for me is is Cunners because yeah. I feel like I have to be optimistic and say, well, w- with what we've seen with um, players coming back from long-term injuries for mm. us in the in recent history, it's been, it's worked out quite well. Like we, we didn't know what Goldman we were medalist. <laughs> exactly. It's like, why, why should we write Cunners off and say, yeah. That he's never gonna. Well, obviously, Kerno mm. is better than he was pre-injury. Yes. So why couldn't that happen to Cunningham? And like you say, like the, like the Essendon game, it hurts picking out one game as like a, a you know where yeah. a player showed it. But it's true. It's like if he could emulate anything close to that, mm. he'd be pushing for a starting spot almost with mm. someone against someone like Kennedy. It was it was like his only real run, I feel, through that David Teague era. It was like, oh, here you go. And then 
back to high half forward. And we, we maybe give you two or three center bounces, but we won't mm. give you a full run. And it, it seemed odd at the time. And he could be one of those missing links in this team. We, we know he's got that sort of goal yeah. sense. I, I feel like when he's in the team, the best ball movement in, seems to involve him somewhere in that chain. Yep. But who, who knows cool. again, are we, is he going to play any football? What kind of player are we getting? It's all hypotheticals and we're always going to be positive around it. But you have to be somewhat pessimistic and say, well, you're replacing him with an Ed Kernel and a Cunningham that, well, at least Setterfield mm-hmm. was durable. But yep. I think that opportunity-wise, I've sort of sold myself into this because I think opportunity cost is, well, does Jack Carroll get to develop if Setterfield's there? Because if there's an injury, you're probably not going to give him that opportunity. You're going to go a bit safer. Yep. Same for a Cunningham. Same for the young draftees that are coming th- coming through this year. And if we're maybe looking to try and get two in and say we're looking for two midfielders for whatever reason, does that sort of clog the list a little bit? Not to be rude uh-huh. to Setterfield, but a guy that we know the ceiling's not there because you're, you're going to go safe. Yeah. No, I think you're 100% right. I, I think it's a similar case. They're, granted, they're at different parts of their career, but... Like Jack Nunes was still playing some good football this year. Yeah, but if if he's on that list, then you're right. The, the opportunity isn't going to be there for some of the other wingers that are trying to get that spot. So, oh, I'm I'm with your logic. I yeah. think if if we have these these bright youngsters, and you know we're not forcing Carroll to play twenty games in the midfield, like mm. that's not what this yeah. is. This is still just about depth. Um, I think it's valid. It's a it's a bit of a risk, but if you, if you name those players during that starting, you Cripps, Walsh, Hewitt, Kennedy, Chera, knowing that we have played games where we've just run, you know, four of those and, and a Fisher through it, mm-hmm. and we beat we've beaten good teams with that. So I'm not too concerned. I think you're maybe just hoping that some someone can develop, and you're a little bit injury free. So surely we can have a better injury run at some stage. Surely it's got to oh. turn. With our Where'd luck, you? but but let us know, I guess, what you think with our midfield depth because I know it's been a big talking mm. point. If you're on YouTube, drop it in the comments. If, if you're listening to this on the podcast, message us on any social media, tweet at us. It's at Navy Blue Corner. We'd love to get to know your thoughts. And, and who do you think maybe can jump up? What do you think at Cunningham? Is he someone yeah. that can be best 22 and be this spark? I, I really want to know what you guys are thinking. But look, this trade period has left us with the draft hand of pick 10, 29, 49, and 66. There's been talks that we kind of hmm. mentioned earlier that Nick Austin himself said, I'd love to you know, trade up a little bit. I guess I'd love to know your thoughts on the potential of this because yeah. do you think, would you like for us to move upwards from 10? And there's also been speculation of maybe trying to get a pick between the ones that we currently have being 10 and 29. What do you make of the chatter? Yeah, good chatter. I like the chatter. Yes, definitely. Um, I obviously like, oh, maybe maybe it's not obvious, but I do like the idea of us trying to bundle some things to move up from 10. Mm. I think uh, as, particularly if, you know, if we're moving up picks, it's likely because, I mean, you're more of a draft expert than I am, but they'll have their eye on someone in particular. Yes. And if, if we've got our eye on someone in particular, I think that's that's a good thing. So if he's able to be crafty and, and make something happen, um, then I'm here for it. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And obviously I've somewhat followed this draft class, definitely the, the most I ever had. So I'm slightly biased mm. in that. I think from my perspective, because I'm definitely no expert, I'm very interested to see now that I've really followed a class from the draft from like the, yep. the starting of the year to see how the players that I rated go for the next five years and what actually translates from under 18 football of a guy that you think could be a superstar and then how that progresses as you actually enter the AFL because around those yeah. sort of picks, even at pick 10, we're going to get a good, a good player there. There's about, I'd say three guys that at the moment I'm looking at a few yep. I'd like maybe more, but I, I think regardless of how it falls, there should be a, some decent sort of midfield talent around that pick. And then when you start to push back from that, it, it introduces some, some interesting thoughts. I, I'm very keen to see what style of player we're aiming at for this trading up pick, whether it's another one of these midfielders that might slide a little bit there. Because mm. in this draft range, you've got a lot of sort of mediums kind of forwards in there that are add a bit of spark to your to a forward line, not necessarily kind of like your small forwards. Then you've also got these sort of high half forward burst players. So mm-hmm. it will be interesting to see what we're kind of going for throughout it. But I'm pretty happy to do it. Would you be worried, I guess, if for whatever we get into this, if we gave up a future first rounder and then we were without that first round pick for next year to bring in two first rounders this year per se? Hmm. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I have to, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've mentioned this on, on the show. The The club's given me so many reasons not to have mm. faith in things like this in the past, but with this current group, there's no reason for me, I guess, not to trust it. Mm. Um, again, you, you'll have a better gauge of, I guess, strength or quality of the classes, but yeah. I don't see any reason why why that would be a bad thing if if they've got mm. their eye on guys in particular that are going to fit the need and hoping, I mean, hopefully you agree with me that whoever we're taking this year isn't going to be a significant player for us next year and they can develop normally. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's a, I'm very much taking this win now. Like we've locked in our best players and, and for a long period of time and they're starting to hit their peak. So I think the mm. the big win now is really that next sort of three years where we need to really take that step. And I think we've had this discussion the last couple of years, like what's the point in worrying about who we're going to bring in in two, three years time when we need to do something right now. So if we can address some list needs, bring in talent that like you've mentioned, we believe is going to help us right now. I don't think that there's an issue if we don't have one next year, you can, probably keep doing the, well, we'll give, we'll trade a future first and get back in the draft next year. You never know if there's other players that we start to move on because for whatever reason, they've moved down the pecking order. Say we bring in a player and all of a sudden, you know, not that I would like it to happen, but who knows, maybe they take over Fisher's role and then he's maybe not required. You can get something for him just to throw out a random player for it. You never know what could happen in a season. So I don't think it's a bad thing for us to trade up. I'm very excited to see what we do with that because I've tried to have a look at a couple of teams that have picks around that area. It's not Mm. a lot that have a couple. Our first one that makes the most sense is probably GWS because they have so many picks. They've got obviously pick one, then it's 15, 18, 19, and 31. And Mm. if I was GWS... 
I feel like the best way is to maybe even out a little bit and get rid of 18 or 19 for a future first next year. Because mm. you'd probably think that uh, we're, we're anywhere, honestly. You'd think we're going to finish in the top eight, but we're not yep. necessarily you know banked for that top four. So they have a good potential to get a better pick than 18 or 19 with ours next year. So it would make sense for them to try to leverage that a little bit rather than yeah. taking, you know, really four in that sort of first round, even though maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they want to just bring in the talent now, but if there was a team to move out and want that future first, I think GWS makes a lot of sense. The other is like it. maybe Sydney for having, you know, 14 and 17, but I don't know because because of their list, maybe their profile, they're thinking we only need one player but it sounds like Sydney are more keen to bundle those to move further up. Would you Would you maybe take a, a 14 and 17 for 10? <laughs> yeah, and move I mean, backwards? yeah, it's an interesting question. I think the only way to be able to answer that well, though, is to know who we'd be ending up with. Yeah, that's really. fair. Um, and that's why I wanted to ask you because you made that, that Fisher example earlier obviously he was yeah. just a, a random a random name and this kind of will, will lead into our you know other delisted players question a bit later but as i look at our best 22 assuming that we go into the season fully healthy yes i, I, I just struggle to see how like the, the quality of this first year player to come in is going to have to be really good to be pushing mm. somebody out do you actually see that as something that would be feasible next year Regardless of injuries, if injuries happen, then players get opportunity. Yeah. But could you see a first-year player being above the hierarchy in one of these positions? I definitely could. It Weirdly, it's strange to say that for like a midfielder coming in because our midfield's seemingly so stacked. And, and I guess the, I'll just throw out a couple of names, not going to go super in-depth because we've got our draft episode where I'll do that. But the guy's kind of getting yep. linked around our pick at the moment. It's Bailey Humphrey, who's kind of like, yeah, your midfielder, but can go forward and kick goals. He can mark them. He's sort of that X factor. Some people have called him bloody Dustin Martin, which I think is a bit mm-hmm. over the top. And he seems to keep moving up draft boards. People have him going even higher than last week. And it, 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 I feel like he's going to be number one pick in about two weeks' time, <laughs> the way this guy keeps getting projected. But yeah, he's someone that has that spark, that sort of that youthful exuberance as well that sometimes maybe – could do it. Another name that gets thrown around is Mateus Filippo, who I, I'm super high on midfielder that again can go forward. So potentially those guys, because they can kind of offer a couple of different positions, there's a good mm. chance. And then the other one's probably Oliver Hollands that he can also sort of, it's a bit more of a winger and, and playing impact through that. So again, maybe not as hard to break into that position. So for those three, mm-hmm. which are the names that keep getting linked to us, I could definitely see them breaking in. I wouldn't say that they're nailed on straight away, yeah. but throughout the season, I could definitely see, I guess to steal your one, a world where these guys definitely <laughs> become best 22 by season end. But I think like you're probably alluding to, it's not a bad thing if they're not, because I think we all kind of agree that the list should be good enough to make finals, win a final, who knows, maybe even get close to top four without bringing out anyone else in at this stage. Yeah. 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 No, great explanation. And I think that is useful 
to consider when you think about us, you know, trading futures to bring mm. in um, picks for this year. That if that is a possibility and it's going to put selection pressure on, then mm. yeah, like this is this is the time for us to have the, the strongest twenty-two mm. that we can. And I think if we, I, I, as far as trading back just slightly onto that, I don't yeah. love it because I think where we're currently positioned in in where if I was on like you know tier rankings of mm-hmm. the, the draft class. Yep. I think that there's a bit of a drop off, like just after our pick, into the next group. So I think we're just hitting right where we need to be. And so yep. even though I do like a few of the players a little bit lower, if we were getting two picks there and then missing out on one of those three players that I've just named, I think that would be a bit of a loss. I, I'd rather at this stage, and, and I think that fans are feeling like that as well. I want yeah. the best players in. Like he, this may be, hopefully our highest draft pick in quite some time because we're going to be successful and our next pick is going to be 19 or whatever it is. Yeah. We're not going to be getting these top 10 picks. So I think you nail it while you've got them. Um, and then the only other team was really right. West Coast having 8, 12, and 20, and then 26, where I could potentially see maybe a 20 coming for us and we get one of those later kind of picks in between the uh, the, the twenty, the 10 and 29 rather yeah. than that real maybe high end or maybe we get that 26. Maybe they don't need all of those picks and they'd rather get something in the futures. It's going to be very interesting to see how that one plays out. I would like to see another club betting on us having a poor season <laughs> next year because we need we need some more grudges. So I think that would be some yes. good ammo. It was fun with that Adelaide Stocker trade, um, which yeah, who knows? I can't remember who they got with their pick. I think it might have been... Fisher Mackesy actually just quietly. I think oh. no one. I think no one won that trade in the end. It was a, a, a stalemate. Maybe we we win because at least Stocker played some football. Uh, but <laughs> let's move on to the next section of this chat, which we've broken down kind of what we've done. But I wanted to have a little bit of a chat and a look at what the rest of the league did. But still, obviously, talk about us. There was a lot of trades that went through. Lockie, was there anyone that you kind of wish? Maybe it was for value. Maybe it was just the mm. player that moved. But anyone that went to another club that you were like, I wish we got him across the line instead. <laughs> wow, that's um, it's a bit of a loaded question because I think, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there was some of the, the high-end names that I guess we kind of floated before. Yeah. Not that it ever seemed likely. I'll let you kick it off, though. Who are the ones for you? Well, obviously, Grundy, when he only goes for pick 27, yeah. makes you go, oh, could we have offered anything better there? So you got him over the line. But obviously, it's that salary baggage that we spoke about in that last episode where I just, giving Harry all that cash, I just don't think there's any way that we could have really afforded him there in the end. But yeah. that's definitely the one value-wise I think that probably sticks out. Uh, I've got a couple of others, but I'll, I'll throw you under the bus. I want to hear what you have to say. I mean, I, I kind of touched on it earlier, and it doesn't, it doesn't need to be a big conversation because we talked a bit out of, about it off-air. Yeah. I just really don't understand the discrepancy between a pick, especially a low pick. Like, you, you know, I'm calling anything, anything out of the first round, I feel like I'll, I'll say yeah. is a low pick. And, and the player that comes back. Like Rory Lobb, for instance. Mm. Pick 30 and a future yeah. second for Rory Lobb, who 
really like he could he can he still can improve and be a really really quality forward and there's no guarantee of what those mm. two picks are getting you yeah it just feels like a lot of these guys i don't know it feels like we would we would pay we would we would give more than what some of these other clubs did and i wonder mm. whether those other offers are actually on the table or whether these things where you know well rory Lobb wants to go to the bulldogs so yeah it's going to happen no matter what um, they offer. Yeah, I'd love to know how these deals do float about whether, you know, clubs really try to get, you know, maybe North really wanted Lob and they were offering, mm. you know, first round picks, but they were trying their hardest and, you know, Freo were trying their hardest to convince him to go there. But at the end of it, you can't trade a player to somewhere they don't want to go and you're forced to just cop the deal that you get. I know we're having a bit of this discussion before we start to record and it, that's, yeah. it's definitely something for almost another pod. We could honestly talk about two hours about the, the rules of the AFL and how interesting it is. Yeah. Uh, but probably segueing onto that, like a, he wasn't necessarily someone I wanted, but for what he ended up going for, I think it introduced something, a bit of interest was, was maybe what Lockie Hunter ended up going for. We both, yeah. I think I sort of said, I didn't really, necessarily want him but for a future third rounder yeah you're paying a bit of salary but like we said for a blank acres it's such a risk-free deal really few i'd be if i was a list manager anything past a second rounder i would be i'd have no picks in like the next (laughs) 10 years draft if i could that'd all be going for every single player ever because if if, i don't know how long lucky hunter has to go on his deal but if Mm. it's two-ish years or, or something around that figure. Gee, throwing a third rounder and hoping for the best. I know he's potentially got these off-field baggage and things like that, but like, is the opportunity cost that bad? Like, is For a future third, surely that's worth something. It was just an interesting one I saw. Yeah, that, that was the next one. And the other one I was just going to throw out there, I'm not sure whether you'd agree or not, but Sam Wiedemann. Oh, not the one Who, I have. I have another one, so that'll be interesting. But get, lay uh, the weeders on me. So the Wiedemann deal was Essendon got Wiedemann, pick 54 and 72 for 37. Yeah. Which is, you know, the Nothing. whatever it is, the last second round pick, basically a third round pick. As obviously, I, I don't see him as being a work, walk-up starter, but as insurance... Like this is what yeah. I'm saying. This is why I'm with you. I wouldn't have anything past bloody pick twenty uh, if I was a <laughs> list manager. But it's like it, surely that's more value than whatever eighteen year old you're going to bring in with pick thirty seven, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, like he's obviously an interesting one because I think if you look deeper, he probably wouldn't want to be behind more players. No. That's what he was doing there. But that kind of deal for a player that you could maybe say you're like you know look at the injury history with Charlie. Harry mm-hmm. always misses a couple of games. There's a good chance you can come into this team. And if you can offer more, who knows? But yeah, yeah. like the other one I was going to bring up was like, not that he fits into us at all and the money again, but like the three-way trade that got yeah. you know, Tom Mitchell to Collingwood. <laughs> and you see kind of like they gave up Henry 41 and 50 and got Tom Mitchell and 25. And you're like, sorry, what? And I get there's all this talk about him regressing and, and maybe that kind of midfielder not being what a lot of teams want. And I, I don't think he'd really fit into us regardless of what his salary no. is. 
But when you hear just like the value of what's got traded, you think, oh, could could we have got on that and just added an extra guy to our team? Like, is there anyone right. else out there in the AFL that is maybe unwanted that you could bring in for some ridiculous value like that in my eyes? Sauce, if you're listening, um, hit us up. We'd, we'd love to chat to you about these nuances of trading. Get him on the pod. Maybe he'll give us a bit more insight than we've seen on on oh, Trade Radio. Maybe. That's the call out sauce. Get on here. It's uh, we'll, we'll if we have to promote, you know, continental tires, we'll do it. I'll do whatever oh, is possible, whatever to, it takes, to get him over the line. Uh, but yeah, let us know if there's any other players that moved throughout the period that you would have loved to see us have a go at, because it's always interesting in hindsight to see what actually the player went yeah. for. And think, oh, we could have probably done that deal. Uh, but there's yeah. there's more players that could potentially come in, not in the trade period, not in the draft, but through the Ooh. delisted sort of free agents or, or just God. delisted players in general. And there's been a bunch, and there's a few I actually want to talk about and get your thoughts on them. We touched on a few of these. So I'll see if anything's changed as well. Um, mm-hmm. But is there any player straight away that you have seen that's been delisted recently and you think, get him to the baggers. Well, you might be excited to hear that my opinion has changed on some Ooh. of this stuff. And shout out to Harry, another plug for one of the greatest podcasts, Dylan Friends. Just thinking about that kind of, what he was talking about with the culture and the leaders and the impact that mm. those more senior players have has kind of shifted my thinking on on some of them. Where a few weeks ago, I was feeling like, what's what's the harm in bringing someone like Robbo back yeah. as someone who is in a uh, seemingly high quality environment at Brisbane, where they've had you know some success over the past few years? Is is bringing that in just going to be like a little bit of that icing on the cake? And now I'm feeling more like things are working right now. Let's not let's not mess with it. And that's what that's what only bringing in acres has kind of said to me that yeah we don't want to mess with what we have right now it's going well we're improving so I'm not I'm not looking to stir the pot too much that is fair enough you put the line through Mitch Robinson which I'm I'm glad you've joined my sort of uh, take yeah. on things it's nice to see that I've been able to convince you uh, but I'll throw some names at you and we don't have to yeah. go too in depth in each one but I'd love to get your thoughts because there's a few players that. Uh, I guess here the Carlton supporters have been speaking about whether it's now or previously. And one of those is James Rowe from Adelaide. Yeah. I know a few people were definitely quite high on taking him over Durden at the time. I remember saying, and I, I of course make myself sound like an absolute wanker here and say that <laughs> I was very much team Durds over him. Thought he offered a lot Bloody more. Right. And guess what? You've been delisted, Rowe. So I was correct. Make yeah. me list manager. It's 23 36 games in total, played 17 this year as a, a more goal-kicking forward than a pressure forward, which we've maybe earmarked a little bit. Would you take a flyer on James Rowe? Can't say I'm that interested in Jimmy. I definitely have him below our current hierarchy. And if, you, if you're getting delisted from Adelaide, I think there's it says something. Agree. It's a no from me. Uh, we move on to one of the more recent ones, and it's from Collingwood but I'd love to get mm. your thoughts. It is Caleb Poulter. He's 20 years old. He's only played the 12 games, only one this year, played 11 in his year before. God. 
So he sort of really dropped off. I thought there was a bit of talent with this guy. Can kind of play a bit of wing, yeah. bit of outside, showed a bit of something. There's uh, one of the worst Twitter accounts that has ever existed that really <laughs> held him in great esteem. And uh, yeah. as, as bad as it is for, for Caleb, and I feel bad for him, gee, there was a lot of joy coming out of me today hearing that uh, he'd been delisted, knowing that that man's probably crying into a pillow somewhere today. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Caleb to the baggers? Maybe we do it just for that gag and just to be able to have that <laughs> in the Twitter community. That could be something. That is really surprising to me that it's mm. 12 games and won this season because yeah. I feel like I've watched him play more than 12 games. And he's done some bloody funny things in those games, I'll tell you that. But he's also shown a little bit. So mm. as, a, as a 20-year-old guy, I would be, I would be open, open to that. Mm, seeing that it's it maybe a bit of a position that we're looking at still, it interests me. But all I, f- I feel like it's it's weird. Whenever a player gets delisted, you immediately just think, well, what's wrong with him? Mm-hmm. Particularly because, you know, totally. plays those games, new coach comes in and says, you're not good enough. And you see Collingwood's rise. Is that them realizing that he isn't good enough? Or is it just sometimes you find yourself out of favor in a new game plan? Mm-hmm. Probably will say no still on Poulter. I'd rather us go to the draft yep. and find someone of his ilk. Uh, but I'm intrigued to see if he does go somewhere because I actually did we weirdly rate him a bit highly in his first season. Uh, next one is yeah. someone we spoke about on last pod. You were pretty high on him. It's 24-year-old Quinton Narkle playing 41 games on the eighth throughout this season. Hasn't seemed to have really got a hell of a lot of interest. Has that changed your no. thoughts? I'll quickly caveat all these by saying I don't think any player that we name right now is gonna is best twenty two. It's all yes. it's all it's all depth here. So I'm not saying that, you know, Caleb's gonna be pushing Cotters off the wing or anything like that. Mm. But having said that, Narkel is the is still the one for me on this list that I would be most interested in. Mm. You're right that I haven't really heard that many whispers, but I don't know. As someone to take a flyer on, I just feel like there's, there's just something there. Yeah, I weirdly, even though there hasn't been interest, and in, so that's kind of maybe made me a bit more negative on this, thinking that there maybe was no interest, starts to almost make me contemplate, well, could you throw him a one-year rookie deal? Yeah. And say, here's the bottom basement price, one year to prove it, have a go. Like, what are you losing there if we were either going to get a guy in the rookie draft and a 18-year-old that maybe wasn't good enough that everyone, every team missed out on him and chose not to select him about 10 different times yeah. or a guy that showed something for one season. I, I don't hate the idea now, weirdly, uh, on one of these guys. He's probably the top of the list as well. Not going to be annoyed if we don't get him, but if you could do that sort of one-year rookie deal, I, I don't think that there's much loss that could come from yeah. that. Totally. And I mean, again, I don't know if you if you want to get into this at all today or whether we do it more in the draft, but it's the opportunity cost of, well, are we taking someone like him or what we get for pick 49? Yeah. Or is it someone mm. like him or pick 29? Like, mm. it, that, they're the kind of trade-offs. If, if it's just going to be some late third, fourth round pick or someone like him who we know has shown something and is heading into the right age bracket, then I would I'd be much more into it. Very fair. Uh, next one was a bit of a shock. 
Maybe a shock delisting. It feels like it would have been oh, a man. shock a couple of years ago. Not a shock now. Jed Anderson, who uh, from oh, North Melbourne, is 28 years old. Unfortunately, this is stiff. Left on 99 games. Uh, played the 14 wow. this year. Would you like to see him play his 100th game in Navy? <laughs> Firstly, you've stitched me up. I thought you were going to hit me with a different name there. So, for the, let the record show that Jed Anderson is not our man currently. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's weird. I, I'm going to sit on the fence with that one. I mean, he's... Yeah, he's in the he's in the age bracket that I guess that we're interested in, and he's got the experience, so he could be that depth. I don't know. Would what would you say to him? A couple of years ago, probably I would have said yes. Yeah, not sure. He's been great this season. Struggling North, when North delisted player doesn't get you too excited I know. about it at all. I'm happy to pass on that one. And and I think the player that was your man, I've actually taken off this list. So I actually read looking at it. Didn't think it was even worth a discussion, but you've made me bring up his name and it's a no for me for Jared Brander. It's yeah. a no for you as well. It was just sort of the key position facet of it. Yeah. He, was one, he was one knowing, of those guys. Oh no, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it was just sort of like knowing that um, we didn't really bring in any tallish kind of depth, whether he was someone that you'd go, eh, is it worth something? But yeah. Not a fan. No, not a fan. But it's just funny because a year ago it was like he was one of those names where it's like, oh, maybe he could be someone that could be unlocked. Hmm. But gee whiz, if you're getting delisted already, um, it's, a, it's a no from me. There's, not, there's something yep. there. Fair. Now we move on to, there's three Richmond players that have been delisted that hmm. love to get your thoughts on. First one is Jake Arts. He uh, has played 42 games, seven this season. I was shocked when I found out his age. Uh, Want to take a guess on how old you think Jake Arts is? Wow, that's a really tough question. I know. Hmm. I'm gonna. If you, say... if I hadn't, have, if I hadn't have said anything about yeah, it, because yeah. now you, now you're thinking, well, what is he? Is he 17 yeah. years old? Is he 42? <laughs> If I'd have just said, how old's Jake Arts, what would you have said? Yeah, I probably would have said 24. I would have said the same thing. He's 27, which I was like, oh, Mm. oh. And that made me a lot less interested at all. I wasn't super keen to start with. Uh, But I know he's a guy that, um, for those uh, betting few out there, I always, years ago, would always have him for one. I feel like he'd always consistently (laughs) kick a goal a game. Uh, And I liked that about him. He was a bit more of a marking forward, which... He's something that we have spoken about, but seeing that age just really turned me off. What would you make of of a player like him? But it's even turned you off that kind of that one year flyer situation. Mm. Know, that's the hard thing. It, it's yeah. hard to know what what these kind of players would actually be wanting as a women delisted player. Like surely, surely we're not paying you know through the roof to get them in, but it doesn't excite me. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Not Let's move on to the next do. one because there's a guy that we spoke about previously is maybe a trade target. Um, potentially, it was Riley Collier-Dawkins, who was 22 mm. years old, 11 games in total, only the two this season. We spoke a little bit about him maybe trading for him. Now that you get him for free, does that tempt you at all? I mean, another another guy I think we, we spoke about a bit in the last episode. When you When you're that young, yeah. I'm kind of I'm open to us taking the flies in that situation. 
like I, I don't see I don't see a world as we as we love to say on this show oh, yeah. where he was is like pushing into the team. Yeah, and, and on that, I kind of think that if if Richmond have, have there was all these big talks about this kid being a future star. If he has only played 11 games and then they have gone out of their way to try and recruit two star midfielders now, they don't want him at all. I just mm. don't think that there's something there. Maybe weirdly like a maybe like a Liam Stocker, not to throw him I under the bus or anything. I was just going to say. But that kind of ilk where we were all pretty high on him, but for whatever reason the club said, no, he's nowhere near it. So mm-hmm. what kind of player are you actually bringing in for that? Oh, I'm happy to pass. The next guy is Probably one of the few I'd maybe looking at a little bit. I know Carlton Sporters have been pretty yeah. 50-50 on him, but it's it's Sydney Stack, 22 years old, played 35 games, only two this season. Does he excite you a little bit more than some of the other names? He'd probably be my the, my second most exciting to, yeah. to Quinton. Just because they're like the, well, I guess a few of these players have done this, but they're the two there that have, I guess, shown the most. Yes, I agree. That kind of the kind of potential, and when when you've shown something and maybe it hasn't been consistent, that's when a team can be like, "Well, mm. we can we can bring that consistency to you." So it's interesting. I, I I don't know whether I would. Yeah, I mean, do you think he's a better player than Owies? I don't. It's a tough one. That's a tough one, actually. Because uh... if you do, then mm. that's probably it then it would be a yes to bringing him in, I would have thought. He's definitely, I feel like, got that goal out of nothing more than an always does. I think mm-hmm. always is a bit more straightforward in kind of know what you're getting. He's going to bring that pressure and he might get a mark and he might kick one, maybe two at best a week. Sydney yeah. Stack, I feel like, has that potential to either kick three and do something magical or you just won't see him little bit more hit and miss than that. I know he's played a little bit down in defense as well last couple of seasons and shown a little bit at times. The interesting thing is like he's definitely one of those players like maybe your knuckle where he's got that higher ceiling and you're hoping yeah. can we be that team that takes this guy that for whatever reason was struggling and unlock that potential. Mm. And there's also those sort of culture question marks. Um, obviously yeah. has that sort of COVID indiscretion and, and little things. Talking about culture, you mentioned it when we kind of spoke about bringing in players, saying that you are happy with our culture now. You didn't necessarily think we needed any more big leaders or different things. There's sort of two ways you can go in this. You can say our culture's good, like maybe like a Geelong and a Stengel. You bring in the bad boy, turn him into a superstar, or player comes in and it doesn't go well. Where do you sit with... Yeah. If if you saw Sydney Stack as the talent was there, but you were worried about baggage, what was what would your decision be with our current culture? It's a great great rebuttal and the perfect rebuttal to what I was saying earlier about culture. So well played, um, and obviously there is precedent for it working, and I like it. But I think for where we're at, I'm very much on the end of the scale that says let's not mess with it right now. Yeah, I'm so I'm so comfortable with like the trajectory of our development that I don't mm. think we need to be we need to be trying those things right now. Yeah. Not that I'm ever closed off to it, but it wouldn't be my preference. Yeah, I I think that I'd be happy with us 
taking a gamble on a player like this. I, I doubt that because of the strong bond, and obviously I, I don't know anything, so this is pure speculation by me, but I, mm-hmm. I would feel that it wouldn't stifle too much. I think for me, looking at this, it's more I don't see the talent there as worth the risk. Obviously, Stengel's yeah. that one that you look back in hindsight and think, oh, of course. Yeah, bring him in. Bring him in. He'd be a superstar. His talent yeah. was definitely always higher than a stack. I think his ceiling was always going to be higher. Correct. So for that now, I'd take a bit more of a risk on that kind of player and hope it works. I'm just not super convinced with the Sydney stack. And I think position-wise as well, if he is playing as a bit of a rebound kind of defender, well, we don't yeah. need that. Small forward. I know we need, we still think we need some goals, but does he get in over Durden and and Motlop? And then you you raise mm. the the always option too. I just don't think that he's the perfect need. Yeah, absolutely spot on, mate. And then the last player we'll talk about is Mitch Wallace, who's 29 years old, maybe a bit more of that experience that we're mentioning. 162 games, only five last year. Been moved more into this small forward, pressure forward role, taking some mm. marks, kicking some goals rather than his midfield. He's someone you'd take a look at on that experienced end. Not for me. I'm sorry yeah. to say. I'm sorry to end it on a no. It would have been <laughs> nice to wrap it up with a yes, but do you think differently? He's weirdly... He's closer to my number one than maybe he should be. Hmm. And maybe I'm just buying in too much to what I think he could bring, maybe adding a bit more of that experience, culture. But I don't know if he's that kind of player. If they think he Mm -hmm. is someone that can help drive some standards. Now that he's been delisted, like I thought, could he be a bit of a trade option as someone that could help nurture, be that that budget Luke Bruce that we're kind of looking for, whether he plays or not, can help galvanize that playing group. If he's that kind of leader, I, I would have no issues bringing him in for one season. I'd love us, almost kind of maybe what we're doing with an Ed Kerno in, and I don't know if he'd take this, but now he's been delisted, maybe he would. Pretty much saying, you're a twos player. Like you yeah. are VFL, but you're here for all these other reasons. And you're there either in the forward line or in the midfield in spurts in the twos. To, to help a Jack Carroll, to help these other guys around him develop. Because if you're looking at our VFL team, if you're looking at our experience, that's there to maybe shelter some of these guys in the VFL a little bit. So, you know, say we bring in a draftee, he's not getting that tag in the VFL game. He's able to not be like a, a Paddy Dow in the AFL where it's just like you're thrown in. They can develop a little bit better. They're not that focal point. I don't hate mm. it for that instance. But again, it probably depends what you're paying in, what contracts and things are like, and the opportunity of what you could bring in instead. But I think for leadership-wise, I don't I don't hate the option. Mm. Yeah. No, I think that's all pretty fair. It's just, it, yeah, it's just speculation about what, like, is he actually a leader? Is yeah. he actually the type of leader yeah. you want? Because if if... Yeah, if we were taking a risk on that, then how would he be different really to like Mitch Robinson? Yeah. Oh, exactly. And that's the other side of it. And that's just purely you'd have to find out what kind of player he is. 
Yeah. But yeah, he'd be so far down the pecking order of midfield and forward line as well that he might just be like, well, what's oh, yeah. even the point of coming across? I was doing this at the doggies, but maybe he wants a lifeline. I don't know, but let us know what you think yeah. of those those players. Interesting. There is anyone else who's been delisted that you like the look of for whatever position. I'd, I'd love to have a bit of a discussion with you guys because it's always Absolutely. fun, the hypotheticals of, will this player be good for us coming in? And, and with that, we'll kind of end on trying to build up for our next episode, which will be a AFL draft sort of build up to see how we're going, what yeah. players we're looking for, who we're going to bring in, going in depth in looking at all the talent. It's not just going to be first round. We're going to be looking at some other later picks as well. I'm very excited, as I've said on multiple episodes, to delve into the draft class. But we need to find out what positions we still need to fill. So, Lockie, we've done <laughs> the trade period. Where do we still need to look at if you're trying to find the holes in this squad? Oh, boy. Still no Ruckman. Still no breaking mm. case for emergency Ruckman. That's a worry. One. Um, I mean, that's one, obviously. We we feel like we're going to be taking a midfielder. Mm. And I love that. And then some, And then some kind of key position, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. You've absolutely nailed it. Ruck is still that issue. I don't. I still. I think I've said it previously. I just don't think it's the draft is the right place for that. I don't mm. know whether we'll end up maybe going to the rookie draft and oh, yeah. getting a bit more of a, a state experienced player or just someone to add to it. I remember mm. bringing up like your, your Radigalia of a guy that could play a bit of ruck, go forward, be that. Levi Casbolt-esque player. I think that's still the mold that would suit us just as someone in that age bracket. I don't know who it is. And that's been the hardest thing for us. I feel like a broken record with it, but I've tried to look through every list. I've tried to go through the state competitions and there's just no one that I can really find that like fills any of those ruck holes yeah. really um yeah. but the only other player that i think we haven't spoken about and it's kind of like pointless somewhat even bringing him up now because like the trade period's done um i'm trying to think of his name because i can't even remember it which is maybe tells me let's not bring him in but it's like darcy fort from like a brisbane oh, who yeah. doesn't really get a game there is an okay serviceable experienced breaking case of emergency Probably wouldn't want to come across because he's too far down the depth over here compared to there. But like, there's just no one out there. If you're saying he's one of the better options, like, my God, what have we got? So that, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Key position yeah. depth. I, I'd love us to. Um, and I've got I've got a bunch of players lined up to speak about, which is I don't want to go too early and talk about. No, these, no, but, no. Like there, there could be an option with our first pick. And, and Or if we trade up, there's a couple of players around there that maybe fill some of these holes. And I think there's a couple late that you could take a flyer with as a bit of key position depth, whether it's up forward or down back. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I kind of think that it's it's probably still just keep bringing in midfielders. You can never have too many. We've spoken about mm. depth being a bit of an issue without a set of field. You never know how players are going to develop. You never know what injuries you're going to get. I think you always need to keep bringing in the best, that's probably where we're going to go. And I'm excited. What do you guys think are the positions? And can anyone give mm. me a Ruckman 
But oh, please. It's out there. Have you, has anyone watched any state leagues or anywhere that they think, mate, this guy could be the answer as a depth option because I've tried and I've struggled to find anyone. But, yeah, I think those those are really it. Would it? I know I asked you this last week. I'll keep referring to it. How if rated out of ten, actually, how worried would you be if we did not bring in anyone that could potentially help our ruck situation? <laughs> how worried would I be out of ten? Maybe lower than you'd think. I'll say six. Hmm. I probably would have said seven, but maybe that's pushing it. Maybe yeah. that's just me worrying about our injuries. Like we've got Pitt, we've got DeConing. Who knows? The hypothetical says, that, and the positive says that Murkov steps up and becomes the superstar. But yeah. you, you never know. It's it's an issue. It doesn't look like we're going to address it. JSOS to the rescue once again. That's it. No, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year. But yes, as I said, we will be back with a couple more episodes before this year is done. We'll do the big draft build-up, which is going to be an action-packed episode. You don't want to miss oh, it. Yeah. And then after the draft, we will recap the list as a whole, go through who we picked, chat about him, and build up for a big 2023. If you've liked what you've heard, subscribe on YouTube if you're there. Follow if you're on any streaming service. Get over to our socials at Navy Blue Corner because it helps us. And then you never miss anything. You're going to be involved for the fan questions. You're going to be involved in this podcast. And that's what we love to see. But thanks again for listening. See you guys next time.